0: I did that initially. I was like so in need of validation and approval when I played. That's why I, that's why I was so scared for the longest time. Now I just play it and, like, whatever. But and it's good, you know, it's, but it's fun when the audience, you know, is reacting with you and you with them. And you're not doing it for approval. You're doing it because you want to change lives and you want to be involved with your audience. It's definitely a different feeling than it is to just go out and play solely for that approval level.
1: Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Hey, this is Brie Noble. I wanna thank you for tuning in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. And I've got a show today that I have been waiting quite a while to put out to you guys. I get the privilege of interviewing my friend and student, Michelle Lockie. And the coolest thing about this is, she was my student in the Female Musician Academy, but she realized she had a passion and she had an expertise that she could share with other people. And so she created a course called Music Licensing for Film and TV that I have been presenting to my audience ever since she opened it up in March, and people have been loving it. And she's got this great masterclass that she's been sharing where she talks about all the things that you need to know about how to get started with music licensing, understanding how the business works, how you get in touch with supervisors, how all the money works in licensing, and so much more, how to write great lyrics for licensing. I mean, there's just so much packed into this masterclass that she does. And I am so excited to be co-hosting this with her um, on September 14th. So I want to encourage you to go to Femusician.com slash 060. That is the show notes page for this episode of the podcast. And you'll see there a sign up for the masterclass that we'll be holding Wednesday, September 14th. And we've got two time slots. So hopefully all of you that are on different parts of the globe and, you know, maybe are working or whatever can make it at one of these times. We've got noon Eastern, which is nine a.m. Pacific. And we've also got 8 p.m. Eastern, which is 5 p.m. Pacific. So hopefully one of those times will work out for you. Go on over to femmusician.com slash 060 and register for the masterclass so we make sure that you get your spot. I just know you're going to love Michelle. You're going to learn so much and it's absolutely free, so why not? What I'm also really excited about on this episode is we're not just talking about music licensing. Michelle is going to talk about her whole journey with music And a really, really important part of how she had to overcome some serious stage fright, shyness, confidence issues. And she goes really deep into why those happened for her. She's being really transparent, and I totally appreciate that from her. So I know you guys are going to benefit from this episode on two levels. So I'm not going to make you wait anymore. Here is some information about Michelle Lockie. Michelle Lockie is an award-winning singer-songwriter who licenses her music to film and TV, teaches workshops on music licensing, and is giving back by building a community of songwriters that help support each other through the music licensing process. And I'll add, she's also really, really caring person and cares a lot about her students and making sure that they're getting all the tools that they need to reach their successful goals. That's definitely what I've heard from people that have sent me testimonials about Michelle. And so I just wanted to throw that out there. I know you'll get that feeling when you listen to her talk today on the interview. Here's my interview with Michelle Locke. So that's a little bit about Michelle Locke, So Michelle, is there anything that's not in that little bio that's maybe a little bit more personal or something interesting you want to tell our
0: listeners about you? Um, well, uh, besides being a musician and a music business person, you know, I, I have two dogs, two big 90-pound golden retrievers, and I, they're like my children. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> I'm an avid exerciser. I used to fly fish. Uh, which is always really fun. Um, I also sing uh on my church's worship team, their uh worship band, and I do workshops for them as well. Wow, that's a, how do you fit all that in? <laughs> I don't know. What what
1: what is your what is your exercise of choice?
0: Well, right now, because I have uh some knee and back issues, unfortunately it's um well not unfortunately, but it's weightlifting and then I do biking. Uh It's been so hot. I've just been doing indoor biking, but I usually um, there's a a nice 20-mile ride in the country here that I like to do every now and then. And as soon as it gets a little bit cooler, I'm going to start doing it again.
1: Yeah. Yeah, me too. (laughs) It's just been way too hot for exercise, unfortunately. So how did you get
0: started in music? Um, It's kind of a long-sorted story. So I... Uh, hey, that's what this show is all about. long yeah. sorted stories. <laughs> um, I've always been interested since I was a kid. um, you know, my cousins and some of my family always uh, were playing piano or singing on choirs, and every time we'd go um to Ohio, where my dad's family was, you know my cousins, they just somehow i don't know, at a very young age, knew piano and singing and everything else. and um, I always wanted to sing and um but I <laughs> it's funny Olivia Newton-John was like my favorite singer at the time and because she's sang like so high like those high notes and I couldn't hit them yet you know I thought I wasn't a good singer so even though I was writing songs and learned a little bit of piano and took piano I didn't really kind of pursue it um, for several years and then about I don't know 10 years ago I think I maybe more I Started karaoke, and then I joined the choir at church. I learned more about harmonizing, and then I started learning about the whole songwriting world again. Like, I know you could write songs, but never knew you could really um, make maybe make a living from them, so I started writing with some people in Nashville, and then I learned ukulele and guitar, and I think that was around, like, 2006, 7, 8, um, those areas. Then I started to really focus on music and songwriting Um, and everything like that. So there's my long sorted story, sort of,
1: (laughs) (laughs) no, I I think it's, it's funny because I know we're kind of similar ages and I grew up during that, that Olivia Uh and John, like another one was Sheena Easton. I was like, I would sing along with her and I'm like, I can't hit those notes. How is she doing that? And eventually once I trained my voice, you know, now I sing, you know, Phantom of the Opera and stuff. But back then I was a total alto. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I, I, I only can sing these low kind of songs. But I, I think that's funny that that kind of made you think that you couldn't be a, a professional singer yeah. <laughs>
0: because you couldn't sing those well, I, I never knew that you could like take lessons, vocal lessons to train your voice because I didn't start doing vocal lessons to like 2002 or something like that. Um, And I, I mean, I did I did one musical in high school and when I tried out for it. Everybody's like, you can sing, you know, and. <laughs> It was so scary though for me to step out and do something like that. I was Daisy May and Little Abner, but um <laughs> but that was kind of you know a, a little bit of a, a stretch for me kind of stepping out and doing that and getting over some doubts and whatnot, but it was cool.
1: <laughs> That's fun. So at this point, do you consider yourself a full time or a part-time musician? And and how does that that look for you? Like what's your general kind of week look like?
0: Um, I would say Full-time, but it's more like full-time music business, not necessarily full-time playing musician, if that makes sense. So um, I'm currently doing all things music-related, and that includes workshops that I develop. Um, I have got some students that I teach lessons to, and then I write for film and TV, and then I also um, will do gigs as well. Um, in addition to that, I do some voiceovers. Um, and I also there's another thing on my list and I forgot what it was. Um, anyway, if it comes back to me, it will, because that's a lot of stuff right now. That is a lot of yeah. stuff. So I guess it's it's definitely a full-time um business. So I know you started
1: out just as a musician and then you mm-hmm. you moved into all these other things, but when you got started, you know, is there anything any time period that you remember that you were just like really frustrated, you maybe felt like you were going to give up, and you know what what is something that you took out of that? What made you move forward and keep doing music when you could have easily given up? Like, what can you? What kind of story can you give our our listeners that maybe might inspire them?
0: Um, I think there are a few times that I wanted to give things up. Uh, the, the first one, obviously, was. But we talked about earlier, you know I kind of gave up music before I even started because I thought I couldn't sing. I had a lot of shyness and self-worth issues um so it it really made it hard for me to kind of to step out in any way. I was so you know afraid of failing or being judged or not being good enough, and so that really put a hold on it. It's like throughout that life, I always knew that music somehow was part of me, but I never knew how to get there. And so I always kind of felt like I was wandering around a little bit lost, if that makes sense. And then um, when I finally started doing it, like in 2006, 7, eight, 9, it's kind of those years I started, I still had a lot of struggles. So it was probably um, around the time I started learning guitar and I started playing with some of the local people. They just knew chord changes and chord structures and could, you know, hear a song and figure it out. And I just I I couldn't do that. And I just felt really inadequate. And I just was like, is this really, you know, am I going to be able to do this? You know, it's just really where I want to to go moving forward. And and that's where friends and conferences and kind of getting into a group of people helped um, me kind of get over that hurdle. And that Yeah,
1: sometimes we feel like maybe the, the the learning curve is too steep. Like, can we actually,
0: you know, if you feel like people are so far ahead of you. Well, yeah. And, and especially when I was um, with film and TV, you can make things a lot or you can make a lot more music if you know how to produce music yourself. And so that was a whole nother learning curve. And that still is like a, takes a lot of practice and a lot of years. And I still look at it because I kind of backslid this past year, which is, I'll tell you about that story in just a second. (laughs) And so now I'm trying to, you know, get back into the recording and the producing. And I'm just looking at it going, oh my God, you know, I've, I've lost like a year and a half of learning that. Am I going to get it back? And, you know, you, but I have to realize though, is I don't have to do it all. You know, I feel like I need to do it all. And that just may not be possible. So, you know, if I can't, produce a certain level of production, then I. that's why I have my co-writers and all that, but they're all busy too. So it's, it's a little bit of a struggle. So the third time I felt like giving up <laughs> was, so I had this, um, I, I can't really go into a lot of detail about this, but I was on a, decided to go and plan a tour um, with a fellow musician. Uh, we created a group um, called Blue Cedar and, and I really put like, we both put a lot of work into it i mean so much work i was doing you know everything that a record label probably has like 15 people doing um and it was just it 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 went off well we were well received we sounded really good together the last show we had was so great and then it was just kind of all taken away um mostly a financial thing it's just too expensive mean he's up in canada i'm here and then just some other um personal things here and there and it just really sent me from an all-time high to an all-time low and I didn't know how to get back if that makes sense for a while and then I ended up having knee surgery and just all this other stuff and you know I was like you know this is starting to feel too hard you know what do I continue to try to get back what it took eight months to a detour to plan this tour or do I just go back and do what I was doing before, get a regular job and not do this as much. But I kind of fought through that because there are things that I wanted to accomplish that weren't that related to touring and gigging, like the workshops. I mean, that was always there. And it was in my plan to do that. I just kind of felt like I got sidetracked. And now where I am now is really where I'm supposed to be. That makes sense.
1: Oh, yeah. And you (laughs) feel like now that you've kind of found that niche in doing the mm-hmm. workshops and the and the courses has it reinvigorated
0: your excitement for your own music um it has it, and the thing is too not not only that but just the, the planning that i've learned like from you and your courses and, and the goal setting stuff you know if i know that okay wednesday and thursday are music days no matter what else is going on I'm going to sit down and write. I'm going to sit down and record. I'm going to do vocals. I'm going to you know, get involved with that. Then you realize it's like, man, I really love to play. You know, I really love to sing. I really love to create music and record it. And so it started to bring a lot of that back that I had lost for several months. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I feel much better than I did, you know, a year ago. <laughs> That's good. And it just shows you can, you can get through things and kind of find your way back to where you need to be or on a new path.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that if you feel like you're banging your head against the wall, maybe you just needed to approach it from another direction or maybe you needed to, you know, maybe you find another outlet into music and then that opens up the door to go back to the performing. I mean, I know for me, I get so inspired by my own students. Like I Mm -hmm. haven't released an album since 2011. I haven't been touring but I see what my students are doing and I'm like, maybe I want a piece of that again. <laughs> like that looks so fun, you know? And, and it has inspired me to, to want to, and I haven't been touring, but I have suddenly gotten a research of of vocal work. Mm. And I'm like, maybe this is how I can still continue my music and, and keep my vocal chops up. And, and I've gotten a couple people asking me to give voice lessons and that kind of thing. And, it's like another outlet, but would never have happened had I not done the whole courses and coaching thing right. because I might have just been like, I'm done. Like, I'm not, I can't do music the way that I did it before because I'm, I'm just in a different place.
0: And so I'm done, you know?
1: So, yeah, I think sometimes we approach it, we we go the long way
0: around. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like if we would just <laughs> I don't know. It's like sometimes we need smacked around to be like, "Okay, listen, this is what you need to do and focus and go that way." <laughs> and the students, you know, become part of your support system, too. You know, so all of that is very crucial I think in keeping our heads above water for sure.
1: Yeah, it's it's so true. I mean, I'm sure when when you when you release something now, they're going to be your biggest
0: champions. Right. Yep, which is which is nice and just and hearing uh, stories from you know your students and and having them you know open up to you and and see that you're very sincere about caring about people I think is is really really good and you know kind of humbles you a little bit as well so for sure so how did you overcome the shyness issue and and the, the lack of confidence that's another long story so. <laughs> um, and and you know part of the reason why um, that had happened is it, and I was the victim of a sexual predator when I was about six, and through my entire life, I felt like that was all my fault. I mean, you're six, everything's going fine, you don't see anything wrong, and then the police show up, and you have no way of processing that. Um, so for most of my life, I just had this internal feeling that I was wrong that I was, had no worth. And what I realized was I was facing, or I was living a shame-based life. But I didn't know that until, I guess it was about, how old am I now? Um, I don't want to say how old I am. (laughs) But uh, I guess I just, several years ago when I was kind of on this musical journey, I just kind of realized how unhappy I was and how Bad that I felt about myself. I mean, when you when you look in the mirror and you literally tell yourself that you're disgusting, that's not right. There's something not right, and I don't know if it was just the music and the support systems I had that started to make me realize this. So I had to, I had to get help, and I found a really good um, counselor and started seeing her. And then she had a group. It was a faith faith based group, and we did. Um, Three rounds of group therapy on like facing your past, um, dealing with your present and then search for significance. And it just kind of opened up my eyes to the fact that what I was feeling is just it's just that wasn't right. You know, it's not a normal thing to feel. And and here's all the reasons why you might feel that way. You know, there's there's fear of failure and perfectionism and just all this intricate stuff that goes into the, the mind and how you feel about yourself. And over time, you know, once I kind of faced all that, that feeling of of wrongness and that things are my fu- always my fault and low self worth started to evaporate and change. And they say that you know, whenever you're doing a new habit, like your brain actually has to form new connections and release old ones. Well, that's the same thing with any kind of therapy. Um, it just it takes time for your brain to kind of reroute itself. And it was like slowly I realized that I started to feel. Better about myself. When I looked in the mirror, I didn't have that feeling anymore. And um, that really was a big thing in overcoming the self-worth part and helped with the shyness. Now, the shyness, you know, I when I started doing karaoke, I guess it was starting to break through that shyness a little bit. But man, was I still so scared like every time I went up there. But um, so I'm just glad that I don't have those feelings anymore and you know and I urge anyone listening that if if you feel that way and you always feel stuck and you always feel like you're going to fail you're always feeling wrong um, to to seek help and groups because sometimes we can't battle this stuff by ourselves sometimes it's too deep no matter how you know much planning and books and things we can read you actually need to get help and start to examine why you're feeling the way that you did and deal with things. It's the hardest thing to do to face yourself and to face your demons. I mean, it was very, very scary, but it was almost do or die. It's like I had to do it. Otherwise, I don't know what would have happened. So,
1: Yeah, I think this tends to come up for artists once they start putting themselves out there and you're on stage and people are giving you applause and praise Mm -hmm. and you're thinking in your mind, I don't deserve this. Right, and then you start to realize, well, why am I thinking that, And you know I've seen this in a lot of artists that that's been the moment of realization, like like you said, like they've buried something deep and and when they've put themselves out there and they've realized that they don't know how to accept praise, they've realized that there's something deeper going on, and they've got some work to do,
0: yeah, and there's also too, like um, I've noticed a lot of artists, and we all do this, doesn't that we Will sometimes play out because we need that validation and approval from others, and in the long run, you don't need other people to validate you it's it's you and and what's what's in you that makes you who you are and and what your worth is so um when and I'm not saying everybody feels this way, but I just you know i I did that initially I was like so. In need of validation and approval when I played. That's why I was probably so scared for the longest time. Now I just play it and I'm like whatever. But and it's good, you know. It's but it's fun when the audience, you know, is reacting with you and you with them. And you're not doing it for approval. You're doing it because you want to change lives and you want to be involved with your audience. It's definitely a different feeling than it is to just go out and play solely for that approval level.
1: Yeah, and I think. Also you are giving such a gift to your students because you're willing to be vulnerable like this. I think there's a lot of a lot of coaches out there and people in the music industry that just want everyone to think they've got it all together and and they know exactly what they're doing and and you know I'm not from that school. Mm. Like I am perfectly willing to tell people this is how I screwed up. This is where I hope you can learn from what I did so you don't have to do it and I know that that's a real gift that you give to your students because i've heard from some of them, yeah. so i'm glad you're you're willing to do that, and you you know you started creating courses when you were in a place where you felt comfortable with that mm-hmm.
0: yeah and the the i mean and the courses too it's like I just don't do the licensing courses, but i've been doing some women 's workshops you know based on your experiences because I, there's so many people that just feel that way, and I f- really feel like you have to go go through those experiences to be able to teach them. Plus, I have a training background, too. So um, that part of me has always been there. I think I like to tell people what to do, mostly. (laughs) (laughs) I remember in kindergarten, I got in trouble because I was like I was dictating to everybody, like how to build something. And one of the the student teachers came up and, and told me I was being too bossy. So
1: Oh, my mom always talks about when we were doing those like spring sing kind of performances at school in like the fourth grade, and I'd be up there telling everybody what spot they were supposed to stand in and, you know, and, and tell them to stop talking in between songs and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm totally the same way. I guess that's why we ended up <laughs> having courses Yeah. Well, before we get into your course, I want to hear how you got started in music licensing.
0: Yeah, so I um let's see, I was writing in Nashville, um, it, and you know, kind of writing the country songs, the detailed songs, the 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 hit songs. You know, it was all about kind of getting cuts and that kind of thing. And um, I was working with a studio in Baltimore, Song Builder Studios, are great guys, friends of mine, and everything. And um, they mentioned Taxi. And then I think I also got like a mailing. It's like as soon as you write songs, all of a sudden you get on like all these lists, you just get start getting stuff in the mail, Anyway, So, um, so I think I asked them about it. I asked a couple other people if they've heard about it. And, um, I must have there must have been a sale on the membership because I think I joined by four, I actually went to their yearly conference. So I joined. You know, I went to the conference with some other music friends that were going. Uh, What year was that, by the way? I'm trying
1: to think, I went two years. I think it was 2005 and 2006 or something like that. I think
0: mine was um, eight and nine, Ah. I think, was the first years that I went. And, you know, I I was still meeting the people that I met in Nashville. I met some big songwriters. Um, I read... Met and talked to Ralph Murphy and a bunch of different people, but um I slowly started to listen in on the um sessions about writing for film and TV. and th- then I got on the taxi forum, and they have a whole thing on their peer to peer reviews, and you get to meet people and talk about it. And I was still doing the whole detailed country writing thing until you know, I met a friend of mine um, through the forum. And he's like, oh, no, when you write for film and TV, you need to do universal lyrics and this, that, and the other. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and <laughs> so from then, like, finally, the third year I went, I my focus was solely on film and TV. It's like, okay, let me learn this. And I met all the people that were on the forum, go to the rally. We all we all kind of meet together, and, and I met some collaborators, and um, I had a really great uh, friend then the following year, uh, Paul Otten, who— kind of helped me write a lot of stuff for film and TV and kind of helped me mold them a little bit because um, he was getting a lot of forwards. He was getting placements and he was getting deals. So it was really cool to be able to to learn that way. And so, you know, after 2011, it just kind of started taking off and doing a lot of collaborations and writing for that kind of stuff. It, and it was great. And it it took some effort to kind of retrain my brain on on how to write differently for film and TV. But, you know, once I listened, started listening to the critiques of the screeners and other writers. And then I started getting things signed and then I'd meet those publishers and, you know, just kind of all starts to snowball is not the right word, but you know what I mean? It's like, it starts to, maybe it is the right word, build and build. And then it just starts rolling like its own machine after you kind of learn everything and and just start making deals. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) It's, and it's not,
1: it's like you said. It's not the same as as mm-hmm. writing for for country or, or writing for hit songs. It's it's a kind of a whole nother animal, which is why I think it's great that you've created a course because I know it is clearly a very hot topic among people that you know are on my email list and and you know my social media circles and everything. Like whenever I mention licensing or post something mm-hmm. about licensing, they're all into it. You know because it's it kind of feels like this holy grail, like this thing that you don't you don't know how to crack, but you just feel like if you did, it would be awesome, you know? And so, um, what, what gave you the idea to come up with the course? And, and I'd love to hear, you know, kind of your experiences with just launching it for the first time. Oh, I think it was, what was it? March of this year and already, you know, being ready to open your second time doing it live and, you know, all, all the kind of feedback from your
0: students. I since I have this training background, you know, and this natural ability to to lead or tell people what to do, depending on the way you look at it. Um, I I actually started my first independent course, meaning that I at my old job I used to do workshops and teach, um, not with licensing, but with the whole search for significance thing at my church. And um I think I was talking to a few friends, you know, because I, I started blogging about music licensing and, and writing like everything I knew. And somebody had suggested, oh, you should do an ebook or this or that and the other. And I'm like, well, why do an ebook when maybe I could set something up and teach people? I mean, there was a songwriting community here, and and they knew that I was getting um, licenses, and you know, I had a little like two hour session at my house where um, Michael Lascal from Taxi kind of dialed in, and we talked about music licensing, and he listened to some of the group songs, and that was fun. So I, I decided first. Now the first workshop I had was an in person six hour workshop here, um, in the DC area, and that was last. September. I almost forgot about that. Yeah, that was That's right. That was kind of the beginning. That was the beginning, right? I'm like, why not do this this live? I mean, see who's interested because people started asking me questions anyway. They, they can we talk to you about licensing? Can you answer this question? This question. I'm like, I know how to do this. I've I've created trainings and workshops. So why not hold a workshop? And we had about fifteen people come, um, and it was really good success. And then I was like, well, I know how to create online workshops, and I created like this. Uh, it's called day, daydreamer or dream maker, which is kind of like how to find your passions, you know, pursue your goals. And it's, it's a quick, short course. Um, so that was kind of the first independent online course that I did. And then I'm like, you know, I have so much material. Why not make this into a live course since I've got such a big audience of friends that are asking me about this anyway? Let's just do it and see what happens. <laughs> I mean, I had the skills. I, I, you know, I, I took formal courses and, and all this training development stuff. Why not use that in my music career? And I like to teach. I like to lead. It took me a long time to learn all this stuff. So if I can increase the um, speed at which others will learn, then that's going to help them on their path sooner. Because it does take a long time to learn this stuff if you're just going to conferences like once a year and, and that kind of stuff, so I think that's where I started now I did take well, i guess it doesn't really matter i was I did take a course myself in two thousand and eleven um on music licensing from a music supervisor um but that really you know that was five years ago, so it really didn't kind of hit me that I could be doing this stuff until this past year so
1: yeah and there's and I know from experience there's there's a bit of a A learning curve in the technology Mm. wise of, you know, getting how am I going to set this up and how am I going to deliver the content and how are we going to do it live? And, Mm -hmm. you know, did you find that
0: intimidating at all? Um, Well, I knew I already knew how to use a lot of the features and I already had a lot of development tools. But what I was trying um, to be able to find was, you know, okay how what's gonna be a good cheap like online way to do this. You know, I was I was looking at the whole Google Hangouts thing, but I wanted, you know, certain recording capabilities and all of that. And um, so I started searching through just searching online for these kinds of technologies. Cause I used to use WebEx and GoToMeeting and live meeting and all that stuff, but it's way too expensive for me. It's so expensive. Yeah. 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 So that's what I found Zoom, which was totally cool. Um, didn't doesn't cost that much for For under like 50 participants at a time. And you could record it, It records the audio separate from the video, records them together. You get the chats, like all that stuff. And I can throw it, I can take the video and then just go edit it later if I wanted to add things or put in like notes and split things up. So it just seemed like a good solution at the time. So I just went for it. And then uh you helped me launch it, of course. So I'm so grateful for that. For <laughs> Which sure. was so fun. Well, and that's and that's the hard thing for me, is is the the marketing aspect of it, getting my head around all of that. And then at the teachable site too. I forgot to mention that. So that that site is just awesome for being able to upload courses and, and host them and everything. So it's great.
1: Yeah, I I of course I use it yeah. and I love it. And I probably will be using Zoom soon enough. Yeah. Um but I <laughs> I love that you kind of are doing a bit of a hybrid that's allowing people at different levels to still learn. So I know that you started out with the live course and then you moved it into a self-paced course, which has also been really popular. What is the what's kind of the different experiences? I mean, other than the price level of getting the live
0: version versus the self-paced well with the the self-paced version obviously people can just do it at their own pace and then you know every few weeks i'll have like A Q&A or something like that um, whereas the live version it's more like um, a lot of hand-holding and there's a lot of accountability so and you kind of get to know each other really well on the calls each week so the, each class even though I have a set curriculum every time we meet you know there's always questions and and you know somebody will say well, what about this and then I'll just go get on the internet and show them something live and there's a lot of accountability the following you know the next week if there is any homework I will ask for volunteers if they want to show their homework and their assignments so it kind of it kind of forces you to do the work you know, if you're that kind of person that needs that one-on-one, I mean, it's not one-on-one because there's me and several students, but if you need that kind of interaction to get you to do something, then the live course gets that for you. And it's more challenging because you have to keep up with it like every week. And one of my students, um, was saying that she kind of misses the homework and the weekly interaction because it really, you know, forced her to do this stuff and to focus on writing for film and TV. Um, And the self-paced, you know, you get just as much um, information. You don't get kind of the the weekly Q&A and the the extra tidbits of pushing, but I try to still prompt the people that are taking the self-paced to do their homework and to post it or email me. Um, and a few of them are doing that, but not as many because they're going to wait till fall to take the, the self-paced course or something like that. So it just depends on your learning style, but the live definitely forces you to, <laughs> to do the work.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think what's cool about the live version is if you are a real go-getter and you're going to get the most out of it, mm. It will it will be an experience almost like having a one on one coach because you're the one that's going to be willing to ask the questions. You're going to sure. be willing to present your homework. And you know, I know I've got like different kinds of students in my courses, and some of them are always willing to ask a question, always ready with their stuff, and they're getting so much out of it. Yeah. You know, and there's other people they're they're just still kind of onlookers and and they're learning. But if if you're really the kind of person that is is willing to to put everything into it. You get so much more than than the cost of a course that's more like a group coaching kind of thing. It would be almost like a one on one experience for you. So another cool thing I know that you're you're look you're going to be doing for the next course is you're going to be doing a challenge. You want to talk a little bit about what that's going to entail
0: for the students? So the ninety day challenge is kind of be like an add on. So we're basically going to have eight to nine weeks of the course in the fall. And that's going to end like before the, the holidays in, in December. Um, and then when we come back in the new, new year, we're going to have a 90-day challenge uh, where every, there'll be assignments like every week. You know, I still want to, we're either going to meet uh, once a week or once every two weeks. And I want to see like these certain assignments um, completed. And it's different than kind of what you're doing in class. It's like, now you've learned all this stuff in class you're absorbing it and now it's time to apply it. Yeah. I
1: mean, I think that's great because really what we need is accountability and that provides that accountability. Like you said, your student was saying, Oh man, I don't have any homework. I'm not getting anything done. So yeah, any way that we can provide accountability for ourselves, it doesn't matter what level you are of Songwriting or business, like we all need accountability. Yeah.
0: And it's, you know, and I have, like I said, some of that stuff in the regular course, but this is going to be kind of the next level up from from that the 90 day challenge is to, we're going to be con- contacting, I'm going to make sure you contact libraries. there's going to be research that you have to do each week, um, you know, for forcing people to make more contacts so they can find people to help them produce if they can't produce. I mean, there's just going to be a whole uh, set. Of things and, and items for them to complete, and some of them will be could be some personal uh, goal setting type stuff too. And then, um, in addition to that, I'll have another course that's associated with this course about fighting your fears. It's really it's been in the making now for about a year and a half, and. I, I think I've got some fear of releasing the fighting fears. <laughs> it's like, why? It's like, I know what I'm talking about. And it's, it's pretty much all done. Now I just have to sit down and record it and, and kind of adjust it a little bit. So, um, so we'll have that, you know, as well, which is a big part of it. You know, people, they want to do it, but then there's just those little nagging fears that kind of stop you. So that's all, it's all, it's kind of all be all encompassing to, and if you're really serious about wanting to to do this and move forward, it's definitely going to be worth your while. So
1: yeah, I think that fighting your fears could be really helpful. Cause I know when, when I write a song, I feel like it's my baby. And then it's like, you're sending your baby out to all these people that you don't know. And they could come back and say your baby sucks, Right. you know, and how, how are you going to handle that? And how are you going to even get up the courage to do it in the first place right
0: and that's i think what happens because sometimes um like with taxi too it's like people will try it for a year why didn't get anything forwarded or make any connections well did you write any new material targeting the listings did you learn this did you do that and the answer is usually like no 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 i just pitched what i already had you know and these are songs that artists have, have made and you put a lot of work into them and they're for your album and your fans um but they might not necessarily suit you know, what's out there in film and TV. And so then most, most people will just be like, well, I guess this isn't for me and move on, um, when it could be for you.
1: Yeah. I think the biggest thing I learned from the taxi road rally and being in taxi in general is You got to get over yourself and take (laughs) the feedback and actually do something with it. Exactly. You know, because what's the point of you spending all this time sending this stuff out, not getting any forwards? You're getting all this feedback. They're actually writing something to you. They're giving you specific things that they think you need to fix. I mean, they get as specific as like, you know, your pre-chorus doesn't work or your verse is meandering, but the chorus is great, you know? And why have we, you know, we invested in that why do we not use it? Yeah. Because we feel like I'm, this song is done. You know, right. I've put everything into it. It's done. I'm not going to do anything. I already recorded it. I'm not going to do anything to it. And th- we're, you know, you're not utilizing the resource of these people that know what they're talking about that are in, in a lot of times people just get really negative. Like, Oh, well they're just, you know, they don't like my stuff or, right. you know, they're against me or, you know, no, they see so many songs. They're giving you honest feedback
0: right exactly and you know you can also get feedback before you you put stuff on the listings um, through the, t- the free forum taxes free forum and they have a peer-to-peer section and these are all people that are part of my community they know what they're doing they're getting songs licensed they're making money from music licensing um and it's really a community is what it is and you know i know there's a lot of people think it's all scammy and that kind of thing but it's really not i mean that's part of the reason why I'm where I am today with my music is because of learning all this stuff through taxi and making the connections and all that kind of thing. So, yeah. And of mm-hmm. course,
1: with your courses, you develop a community as well. And yep. So
0: when those, as those
1: people start to hone their skills and, and get stuff out there and start to get some placements, then they'll even be a community developed there.
0: Exactly. And I, you know, I, and I stay in touch with all my students. We have a private Facebook group for people who took the course and, you know, they're, they're free to email me, you know, whenever, I, and even the ones that haven't had a chance to t- like take the self pace yet, you know, they'll often email me with their stories and open up their lives to me, which is just amazing. Um, because they know that I care. Um, and they've told me that like to my face, then I just like start crying and stuff. So because <laughs> it's just like, you know, when you hear that you're actually helping people, um, you know, it's, 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 humbling and it's, it's, it's rewarding and and all that stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's great that I, that we're building this kind of thing together. So
1: yeah. And they've told me that too. <laughs> in fact, I am having one of your very most favorite students, April on the podcast in a few weeks as well. Um, because she's just been so, such a big promo- proponent of what you do. And, um, you know, you really are, you really are helping people. And that's, I think what it's all about. So I'm I'm really excited to be helping you launch this second live version of the course and and the add-on challenge and all that stuff coming up. We are going to be doing a webinar. Um, mm-hmm. I think as of the time that this is airing, it'll be the next week. But there will be a way to sign up for the webinar right here on the podcast page at um, femusician.com/060. This is podcast number sixty which I can't believe I've already (laughs) reached podcast number 60. Um, but yeah, we'll be doing that on the 14th. Mm -hmm. There'll be two time periods that you can sign up for it. So come and hang out with us. Michelle's going to teach you so much stuff that, that she's giving out for free. There's a lot of just to, just to show you how much she knows. Um, and that's just scratching the surface. So, um, you know, I'm kind of, kind of putting this out here at the time period, right before this webinar. So you guys can get excited about it and come hang out with us and, and learn a lot about music licensing and see if it's something that you want to try.
0: Yes, try it. You can do it. It's just, it's just a different way of learning and, you know, come to the webinar. I really look forward to to having you guys and, and, and talk to you guys. It'd be really cool. Awesome. So if, in case people are catching this
1: after the webinar is over and after you've already launched the the live course and everything, where can people find out more information about you and your course?
0: Um, you can go to my website, which is www.michellaki.com. There's testimonials and videos and all kinds of stuff on there. And then I also have um, www.licensingsongs.com. And that takes you right to the course site. So you can see the different offerings and whatnot. So those are the two best places to find me. I love that you got that domain, yeah.
1: licensingsongs.com. Very cool. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for sharing all this. I love that you were willing to be vulnerable and talk about, you know, th- that's what I think is great about this show. We talk about more than just the nuts and bolts right. of music. We talk about the real, you know, emotion and feelings and struggles and all that behind it. And, and you were really willing to share that. So thank you so much. Thank you
0: for having me. It's great to be able to, to talk to people and to talk to you and just keep doing this. It's awesome. You're welcome. <laughs> and come join us on the webinar. We will see
1: you live on the 14th of September. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and musicianacademy.com. With editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.